This podcast is brought to you by Close Brothers Asset Management. We've created this podcast to set out possible approaches. Please do not view it as financial advice or its content as investment recommendations. Just because an investment or investment strategy has performed well in the past does not mean it will continue to do so. Our predictions are based on information that is currently available. However, events and markets can and do change rapidly. Hello and welcome to our monthly podcast. I'm Tom Santralaya and I'm joined by Robert Olster and Isabel Albaran. Welcome to you both. Hi. Hello. So uh, another month goes by. There's been another round of interest rate hikes by the uh, major central banks. I'm starting to feel like a bit of a broken record, but there is some welcome respite, as uh, well, at least in the US, as there's no Federal Reserve FOMC meeting in August. So maybe this is a good time to pause and take stock of where we are and maybe consider what might lie ahead and what we think is going to be driving markets for the remainder of the year. Because it's been an interesting year so far. I mean, at the outset, uh, it looked as though a recession or at least a significant slowdown was was more or less nailed on. Uh, at least many uh, economists were predicting it. Uh, and yet the consumer has remained broadly resilient, kept on spending. Interest rates have flown up, but they haven't yet broken the economy, save for a few banks in uh, March. Um, and equity markets have been remarkably strong. So where are we going to go from here? So let's take things a little bit differently. I'm going to ask each of you to pick one thing that you think is going to be driving markets over the next few months. So what would you say? Let's start with you, Robert. Oh, I'd say corporate earnings. Corporate earnings. Yeah. And Isabel, where are you going? I think monetary policy. Is monetary going to policy. Remain. We're going to go back there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, my own two cents. I'm going to I'm going to go with the labour market, which I think is pretty interesting at the moment. So clearly, none of these sit in a vacuum. That's economics. They're all interconnected and open to interpretation. But let's let's pick each of them individually um, and see where we're at. So so Robert, starting with you, what are you seeing in earnings season, and why is that so important to you? So up to the moment to today. About three quarters of companies have now reported um, in the US and in Europe. And the picture is the earnings are contracting quite mm -hmm. meaningfully, um, you know, around minus seven to eight percent in both of those right. regions. Now, commodities are sort of skewing that a lot because that they're declining compared to last year, remember, because of the Ukraine um, Russia conflict. Um, but even so, underlying, we're seeing a contraction. And that, I guess, is, is the overall theme. And, and coupled to that is we're seeing very interesting share price reactions. So mm -hmm. if a company beats, because it's in a sector doing well, like um, technology or consumer hospitality, say, then the share price is moving up a bit. But if it disappoints, the share price is moving down a lot. And I think that tells you you know, the nervousness that's in um, in share prices at the moment and in markets at why, the moment. Why is that happening then? That seems counterintuitive. It's because I think that a lot of market participants um, are worried still, perhaps, you know, as you alluded to, there won't be a, a severe recession, but there is going to be a slowdown and that perhaps the interest rate rises mm. that I'm sure Isabel will come on to talk to are really going to start having a, a meaningful effect in the second half of this year and therefore that's going to affect markets so people are still quite worried about 
how the direction of markets is going to look, despite the rally that you mm. alluded to in the first half of the year. Yeah, so if if earnings are down, as you say, why why are markets up? Are, are we are, are the markets overly mm. confident, or are they just looking ahead to what's mm. to come in the future? They've already I'd, priced in yeah, the downside. I'd, I'd say a couple of reasons. I mean, the first is that in the US, the um, the artificial intelligence chat gpt generative ai really move markets you know five to seven stocks which are tech stocks whether it's nvidia or even tesla the car company mm. you know, they really move the u.s market meaningfully take absent those take those out and the market sort of flat to slightly down and secondly and again i think isabel's going to touch on this you know there's markets looking forward to that point when interest rates come down when the inflation dragons finally slain and interest yeah. rates come down and there's a revaluation of markets so i think they're they're the overall reasons and you mentioned tech there but are there any other sectors that are standing out either positively or negatively yeah consumer discretionary you know the rebound from um, still from covid um some of those are doing well like the cruise companies for example um in the us the housing market as well their share prices have been quite strong so it's very that that becomes very sector specific then yeah um commodities not so um so yeah it's varied but but techs are stand out and you mentioned the magnificent seven then they obviously get a lot of press coverage at the moment is there hope for the other stocks that uh, that haven't performed quite so well what's the sort of temperature there from from earnings so from there um it's mixed because sort of energy materials mining sector healthcare um are slightly weak this quarter so you know you don't want to read too much in a quarter but yeah there are some sectors not doing so well struggling at the top line and that's affecting earnings costs there's a cost squeeze going on because the cost of labor and certain mm -hmm. of their raw materials so it's very mixed but tech as i say is really the area to look out for and how long can that continue as well because i think you know we are we have seen a, a step change in technology earnings i think going forward mm. it's amazing to see how often the words artificial intelligence come <laughs> out in all of these earnings reports um let, let's move over to uh, interest rates clearly always going to be a big driver of markets i think you're absolutely right there uh what are you seeing out there and why, why do you think they're they're so key at the moment I think the key thing at the moment is in the last month, really, we've finally seen the materialization of this more sort of dovish direction that, you know, as Robert alluded to, markets have really been hoping central bankers would take. So if you think about the Fed, you know, for the first time in a long while, we, we had a meeting without a hike. Uh, at the ECB, they sort of alluded that they might be open to staying staying still for a meeting. And in the UK, at the meeting last week, we had central bankers talking about how long rates need to be restrictive for as opposed to how much more restrictive they need to get to. So, you know, at long last, this kind of end point to hiking feels like it could be in sight. Okay. And has the... The messaging coming from the Fed itself changed in any way? Well, I think that's the, you know, the, the key thing that this um, skipping a meeting 
not having uh, a rate hike at every meeting, that's kind of, it's not just messaging, it's it's reality. <laughs> and, you know, why is that? Well, it's partly because we're seeing it in the data. You know, inflation is slowing, albeit not necessarily especially because of central bank action, but it's slowing and that takes mm. a lot of pressure off them. Crucially, we're seeing the labor market easing. So we've had, um, you know, in the US, uh, job openings are down, the job to applicant ratio is falling. Um, you know, the labor market's still tight, but gradually it's easing. In the UK, even, unemployment is gradually rising. Um, we've still got really strong wage growth. I think that's largely kind of lagging the period of very high inflation we had. But, um, you know, openings are declining. So there is this evidence that, um, you know, labor markets are easing, which was a particular concern. And as Robert said, you know, the expectations for growth for the rest of the year are not especially strong. It's interesting to see Jay Powell's no longer or his team are no longer forecasting a recession uh, in, in their own numbers, which is reassuring. Does that align with our view of the world and, and how we're positioning portfolios? It's difficult. To, well, yes, it, it does and it doesn't because... Um, I think we all expected the recession, like you said, you know, years, six months ago. And then it became clearer as the data came out, the strength of the consumer, that it was going to be a shallow recession that's sort of worst. And I think that's now consensus. Um, so that is aligned with our views. Um, then there's a secondary question about what happens to markets despite the underlying economic picture. But yeah, I think it's now consensus that in both sides of the Atlantic it's going to be a shallower recession than we were all expecting a year ago. Good to hear. And so not, we haven't got an FOMC meeting who, who decide the interest rates over in the US, but there will be that Jackson Hole uh, meeting coming up. What do you think they're going to be discussing? You've mentioned the labour market there. Um, PMIs, anything else? Mm, great question. Okay, so if we think back to last year, it was at Jackson Hole where we had the crucial sort of pivot moment, right? Mm. And Jay Powell sort of said, yes, we're right that this inflation is transitory and it's not driven by anything within the economy, but nonetheless, we must deliver price stability. So that was a really sort of key moment. What are they likely to talk about this year? I think we have to... Um, expect that we might get some utterances thinking about cuts and how long rates need to remain high and mm. when we can expect cuts. Okay. Well, my my topic, of course, was labour market. And we've already discussed that to, to some extent. Um, and we know that actually if, if central banks are really going to be confident about uh, underlying inflationary pressures genuinely modifying uh, they've got to have confirmation that wage growth is is going to sort of dissipate or ease somewhat, mm. um, which is going to be hard when the labour market is so tight. But yeah. as you pointed out, we are seeing some some softness there, which does help. Um, and you mentioned the the ratio of job applicants to uh, to those to the jobs available. A few months ago, I, th I, st I said that that was at 1.7. That's now down at 1.6. Yeah, so it things was are up moving. above too. Yeah, so, so this is in the US. Yeah, so things are moving certainly in the right direction. I think that does give us some coverage. Is there anything else that's sort of uh, keeping you interested in that particular space? I think the last kind of economics point that's going to be really key this year is China. Mm. And if you recall, we had the Politburo meeting a few weeks ago where they came out and they, it, you know, firstly they acknowledged that growth was a bit weak and they endorsed 
policy measures to help growth, now we need to see the delivery of those policies. So I think there are kind of three key areas people are looking out for. One is around housing. The second one is around infrastructure spending. And then the third is going to be on consumption spending and sort of subsidies for things. Because if we don't get that, then, well, growth is going to be a bit weak in China. Uh, so I think that's going to be very key for sort of where GDP forecasts go for the rest of the year and where earnings expectations mm. are. And how are they going to try and achieve that? Uh, well, I think on the housing, they've sort of, uh, just by being a bit more positive towards it, I think that's really helped sentiment. So there's this the death knell phrase, houses are for living, not for speculation. That's come out. Mm -hmm. on, the, uh, on the infrastructure spending, there's uh, more support for local government spending. Um, that, that should come through. And then on the consumption, I think those subsidies are going to be key, but they will be concentrated in those cities that can afford to support them. So it's not completely unleashing the uh, the, the flow of cash. Okay, and Robert, I, inter I interrupted you there. What were no, you I was just saying that? I tend to be very relaxed about China because as a, as a long-term follower mm. and seeing what it means to be able to pull the levers of a command economy. I've seen them bail themselves out of sort of slowdowns time and time again, and I think this is no different. It's far bigger, it's more complicated, but I think Isabel's you know, going to be proven right that they are going to come out with quite a detailed plan and the world will move on from fears about a China, a serious China slowdown. But I think you know that would have a really big impact on markets because yes. the leadership at the moment is not necessarily 100% pricing in the delivery of all of that. Agreed, yeah. So we don't get a, an interest rate movement in America, but still loads to move markets over the next few months. Interesting to hear. Um, so it's my turn this time for a stat. I'm going to flip it around ever so slightly because uh, I know our industry, we're always very guilty of just whimsically throwing out huge numbers, uh, so much so that they, the sheer scale of them of, often gets lost. Okay. So I'm going to try and contextualize the difference between some of these numbers, okay? So bear with me. Mm -hmm. If one million seconds equates to 11 days, how long do you think one billion seconds is? <laughs> Robert, would you like to go first? <laughs> Come on, this is dead air, people. No, we can't. You can't do the maths it's in your head. Years. Oh my goodness me, that was very good. Thirty-one point seven years. Wow. So eleven days versus thirty-one point seven days. So if you move that one one more step, a trillion seconds, of course, is a whopping thirty-one point thirty-one thousand years. Okay, so that really sort of puts into context what we're talking about with these big numbers. You know, rising interest rates means the Federal Reserve are likely to have to raise a trillion dollars just to service their debt. So we're not talking small numbers here. There we are. And now we've Robert, discovered I'm Robert's rain man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, look. Years of mental mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much, guys. Always a pleasure to speak with you, and I look forward to doing it again sometime. Thank you. Thank you.